if you are uh, new here at Church of the Rock, my name is Aaron Weiser. I'm one of the pastors. This is my good buddy, Skip, also one of the pastors here. Uh, if you are new, um, welcome to you. If you'd like, you can run over to the info table after the service. You can fill out a guest card. That helps us get in contact with you and get you some resources. Uh, they also have a gift for you if you do so. The gift comes from overseas from a ministry that we support uh, in India. Uh, but if you are new, uh, details aside, it's our confident expectation. This is one of my favorite things about gathering together as God's people, is that when we gather together in his name, God sends his spirit, according to his promise, uh, to speak to us. And so if you're here new this morning, it's our prayer and our, it's our expectation that you would hear from the Lord this morning uh, as you open your heart to him. And towards that end, you're going to be carrying us on in the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay. Okay. I've really enjoyed my Ecclesi studies so far. Of Ecclesiastes? Yeah. I know. It's I've a lot in, more fun than we give it credit. That's right. I've been in the book before, but there was just some new, new things that struck me this time around yeah. that I've really enjoyed. I have a story about Ecclesiastes. I'll tell you later. Okay. Let's it's, keep it private. Yeah. Right, It'll right, be just right. mine. It's okay. great. It's great. Yeah. Let me pray for you and we'll jump in. <laughs> God, I thank you so much uh, for Skip and his ministry here at Church on the Rock. Uh, for the gift of wisdom that he is to us as you speak through him and through your word. God, I pray this morning that we would maximize the value of this time uh, by responding with open hearts and open ears. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Actually, here, I'll give you this and this. I'll go ahead and tell the story. Uh, this, it's not in my notes, but uh, a thing about Ecclesiastes is that it's kind of a downer, right? Uh, the, the overall message is you're going to die. And uh, uh, I remember as it was my responsibility to teach e class Ecclesiastes, this is a long, long time ago at Alaska Bible Institute, and I remember sitting in my little dorm room, number three, I think, and uh, reading Ecclesiastes over and over again and had been for several days and feeling the clock tick that I'm responsible to teach this book very soon and having no idea really what to say about it. And uh, I just remember this one time after reading it several times, and sometimes it takes that, uh, the Lord boof, opening it up to me and showing me the great hope we have even in our death. And in that, it was, like, it was like three in the morning or something like that. And I think I was teaching the next day. And in that moment, just the presence of the Lord speaking to me through Ecclesiastes, I literally pushed myself away from my desk and dropped to my knees. I was so in awe of, of his presence and his voice and his hope. It was beautiful. And all of that out of Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a joy, you know. Christians are crazy the way we can find joy even in a message of death, right? Uh, but it is, it is uh, the reality of the Holy Spirit for us. So, you know, the bulk of Ecclesiastes is really, it's a, it's a wisdom, it's a part of the wisdom literature, which means, much like Proverbs, uh, a lot of it is written in what I call zingers, right? Uh, a quick little phrase, a quick little one-liner that communicates a deep truth, the kind of thing that you can just kind of absorb and chew on for a while. We often find these zingers on, uh, uh, on calendars from the bank with uh, pictures of mountains and frosty mornings and stuff like that, right? Uh, we find zingers from Ecclesiastes maybe in fortune cookies. It's just as written in such a way that it fits nicely in small packages 
of wisdom. Uh, Our routine here at Church on the Rock is to try to bring some narrative, some kind of story to the passage we're teaching on. And Ecclesiastes doesn't necessarily lend itself to that kind of teaching very well. It's, It's zingers, it's little poems. So this morning, you, after you have been exposed to the book of Ecclesiastes once more, it will fall on you to provide the narrative. In fact, this is a book that is written to anyone who would listen, anyone who would be teachable. And so if you would take out your phone, I've recently been um, uh, taking inventory of Aaron and I, Aaron Weiser and I, kind of joke about our signature contribution. Um, like um, the, the gla- if you go to the office, the glass whiteboard in our office, that was my idea. So that's one of my signature contributions to Church on the Rock. But one of my other signature contributions, and many of you will remember this, is I'm the pastor who taught you to skillfully take selfies. Do you remember that? Of course, I stole everything I know from a Seventeen magazine. But even so, uh, you may remember, you, you take the phone, hold it up, and you want to get it up in the air a little bit so that it makes your eyes larger and your chin smaller, right? It accentuates your beauty. Unfortunately for me, it also accentuates my receding hairline. But you want to hold it up just a little bit like this and kind of... and click. So everybody... I don't, I don't see anybody doing this. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Okay, ready? On the count of three. Okay, great. Take a look at that picture. Have that in front of you. Take a look at that picture and say to that image, you are gonna die. <laughs> and now you are a part of the book of Ecclesiastes. (laughs) The truth is that there is an opportunity for every one of us to die. In fact, it is not even an opportunity that you can avoid. It's gonna happen. And Ecclesiastes very skillfully makes us aware of another opportunity that is available to every one of us, even as we are dying. It is the opportunity to live. And so now that I've introduced you to the main character of Ecclesiastes, let me introduce you to a few guides for a great narrative. Right? I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's a very familiar poem. Some of you will recognize it as a song right away. Here we go, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. 
a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I'll just say it because I know you're thinking it. Turn, 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 right? Yeah. Verse 9. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Let me read that again. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so people will fear him. There's a number of things that I want to highlight uh, as, we, as we think about and reflect on that poem, that passage. I want to begin with time. There is a time for everything. And to us, that seems like, a, like it's not even worth saying, like it's, it's, it's not even like a, a, a point to be made. For us, in our experience, all we know is time, right? From the day we were born, there, we've been functioning in this context of time. But it is appropriate in the scriptures for the Lord to, uh, to kind of isolate that as its own part of, of the human experience, because it is not a part of his experience, Right? Eternity is not a measure of time. Life on earth is a measure of time. And there is a time for everything. Uh, even, even in our human experience, there is a difference between man-made time and natural God-made time. If you, if you are tuning into the hours and the minutes, those are helpful tools, but that is not God-made time. You realize that, right? Right? Those are, uh, those are man-made increments so that we can all synchronize to uh, some kind of rhythm and, and know when to show up for breakfast, when to come to church, when to get to work, and when to go home, right? Hours and minutes, those are man-made time. But in nature, God has created increments of time. He talks about the seasons, Right? You look without your watch to the sky and you watch the sun grow fuller, or excuse me, the moon grow fuller and fuller and then back again reducing to it's just a, a, a very thin crescent. And you know that that is nature's time moving us forward, right? Uh, you watch the snow fall and then you'll watch it melt and the mud rise and then eventually things will turn that, do you remember in the spring, that iridescent green? Do you remember that? And then it turns a little bit darker, and we are deep into summer at that point. In my home in Michigan, uh, where I grew up, watching the trees turn brilliant, beautiful colors, right? So we, we know that nature and God have created this rhythm of time. And of course, the simplest rhythm of time is days. That in most parts of the world, the sun comes up. On a daily routine, right? And the sun goes back down. And uh, 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 there is a rhythm, a rhythm of time in nature called days. You know, uh, since life is seasonal, 
and it's true not only of nature, but even of our own lives. We are young and strong and full of energy, and then we, uh, in time, we step into a new season where we click and pop, right? And it's a little bit harder to move, and then we move into a new season even after that where uh, mobility is actually a real challenge and, and, uh, and, a, and a great risk. Right? So even in our own bodies, in our own lifetime, there is a season that we move through. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I have been thinking about seasons for a long time. Probably, probably, honestly, from the time I taught Ecclesiastes so many years ago. I have been thinking about my life in terms of seasons, and I have found, personally, such a freedom in thinking about my life in terms of seasons. It seems, it seems like sometimes we feel like we want to arrive at a season, and that's the season. And when nature begins to move us into a next season, we grasp for that other season that we've already gained some mastery over, right? We resist this flow into seasons. But for me, it has become a great freedom. To, uh, to look at my life in terms of seasons. If I look at my life in terms of seasons when things are difficult, when I'm weary, when, it, when this season is getting old, I remind myself that it is only a season. Not only that, but I recognize that God makes all things beautiful in its time. So this is a season, and this season is for a reason. It has a purpose to it. Am I, am I disciplining myself to tune in to the greatest value of that season or not? That is a piece of wisdom, a skill that I hope that each one of you will enjoy the blessing of. Looking at your life in, uh, in terms of season, and saying to yourself, what is the greatest value of these moments, these days, right now, that I can focus on them and get all the benefit of this season before I move into the next one? Uh, not only that, but it, uh, when things are good, I'm in a good season, it reminds me that uh, I should savor this. I should enjoy the sweetness of this good season. I should put energy into creating memories and writing down the things the Lord is teaching me, memorials, because this season too will morph into a different kind of season. And so for me, time, seeing my life in seasons has been a great joy. There's a passage in Psalms, Psalms 90, verse 12. The psalmist says, in a prayer to the Lord, he says, teach us to number our days, to tune into where we are on our own personal calendar, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to tune into the seasons of our life so that we might skillfully navigate those seasons. And I would say this morning, that whether you are living or dying this morning, and the truth is everyone in this room is doing both, right? I would say, though, whether you would describe this season, these moments of your life as living or dying hinges on uh, wisdom, your capacity to skillfully navigate this season of life. And so let me ask you a couple questions just for you to jot down and prayerfully reflect on later. 
Are you skillfully maximizing where you are planted right now? Are you taking inventory of the uniqueness of this season and skillfully maximizing this season for all its potential? Let me ask you this. Are you adequately prepared to move on when the time is right? Because the time is coming when there will be a change in the season. Are you ready to trust the Lord enough to step in to that next season? As humans, we, God, uh, God created us. He lumped us uh, in, in sand and bent down and breathed life into us. And uh, we became alive. And as humans, he said to us, he said, I have made you in my likeness and in my image. I have made you as my likeness and image as a people who will rule and subdue the earth. It is a part of what it means to be human, to rule and subdue, right? And time is one of those things that he has given us to rule and subdue. Have you ever felt like, um, like time has ruled and subdued you. Have you ever been there? Have you, ever, have you ever felt like the rhythm of time has just washed you over and you have been uh, pinned to the floor, right, by time? Oh, yeah. Have you ever noticed that in those moments when you feel so overwhelmed by the, by the movement of the season, have you ever noticed that it's, it's easy to feel even less human than ever because of that movement. I think this is why in Deuteronomy, the Lord says, I want you each one to mark the weeks and mark the days. I want you each one of you to have a Sabbath day of rest. And he goes on to explain why that is. He says, there was a time in your life as a nation when you were slaves. You were not even human. You were machinery for the Egyptians, right? And on those days in that season of your history when you were not, when you were overwhelmed, you were not seen as even human, uh, on those days you were not allowed to rule the days and rest. But now that you are a free people, I want you to take a Sabbath and remember you are to rule your seasons and celebrate that, uh, that ruling and subduing by taking a Sabbath. So there is a time, and there is a time for wisdom. Wisdom makes all the difference as we manage time. Also notice in this poem this one phrase. Of course, I can't do all the phrases, but I've chosen a few that have been meaningful to me personally. Um, there is also a time to plant. Did you notice that? A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to, to, to take something small, a seed, a little seedling and put it in the earth and give it the opportunity to grow big and strong and to produce much more. There's a time for that, a time for investment. Uh, you, you, many of you have heard my spiel. It seems to me that there is a rhythm in our lives, a, a rhythm of investment and management. When we are young, we begin to invest in things. We begin to invest, invest in uh, learning a trade. We begin to invest in... Uh, 
acquiring for ourselves an education. We begin to invest in possibly building a family, right? These types of things. Uh, we invest, we invest, we invest. And in time, those things that we've invested to achieve uh, create for us a set of responsibilities that now we must manage. Is that true for you? And so there's this rhythm, this rhythm of investment, and then a rhythm of following that rhythm of investment, uh, a rhythm of management. And so we manage these things that we have acquired through our investment. And in time, as that season moves forward and we manage those things, at first we start out not really knowing what we're doing, but there's a thrill to mastering that, to figuring that out. But in time, we've mastered it, we've figured it out, and now that thing that we're managing becomes wearisome to us, or maybe it gets old, boring, whatever, right? Uh, I would say that if you are weary of managing the things that are in your life, I'd say if there's a weariness to that, that's an indication that it's time to reinvest, to start planting again. And let me just say something, especially to those of you that are husbands of, of uh, wives of, who are raising small children, especially to that specific crowd. You ready for this? Um, I want to I brag on uh, a guy who's got, had great influence in my life, Dwayne Nussfeld. Um, this is one of his strings that he strums over and over and over again, and I need to hear it. I'm amazed how often I forget it in spite of how often I hear it. And that is this. Uh, guys, uh, your wife has, has literally laid down often. Often this is the case. Your wife has laid down her life to manage what you have invested in. Do you understand what I'm saying? You said, look, I've given you money, I've given you a house, I've given you dishes, I've given you food, I've given you kids. Now I'm leaving for eight hours a day, and when I come home, I want to watch Jason Bourne, right? Um, and so you manage all that. Well, fellas, uh, the wife is probably weary, right? You would be wise to decide to beat her to the punch, and decide for her, honey, let's create some space for you to invest. Not, honey, here's something more you can invest, right? But allow her the space, excuse me, the space to be creative, uh, the time, the energy. You take care of the kids for a while. Create that opportunity for her to invest. You guys, I'll tell you what, I'll just throw that out there. You guys do what you want with that. You figure that out on your own, okay? Uh, but let me just remind you that what we're planting, you never plant a full tree, you plant a seed. And so ladies, you may feel like, how can I add one more thing to my life? Well, number one, uh, Pastor Skip has told your husband to help you. Number two, it can be small, a simple little thing, 15 minutes to get alone with the Lord every day. You can do that. Lock yourself in the bathroom. Throw, throw a blanket over your head, right? Figure out a way. To, uh, to invest in small ways. Here's another, another indicator that it may be time to plant. You would, uh, are you discovering, this is across the board, are you discovering that you are using up your pool of resources, whether it's energy or insight 
or finances? Are you discovering that you are using up your pool of resources and yet, at the same time, more is required of you? That you are, in effect, stepping into uh, what feels like bankruptcy? If that's you, and it may seem counterintuitive, but if that's you, I would say it's time to plant. It's time to find a way to reinvest even if a simple seed. The second thing I want to highlight is uh, not only is there a time to plant, but there is also a time to kill. And I would say this, an indicator of when it's time to kill is when there is no rhythm to the dying at all. When your experience is just one solid death. Maybe an increase in death. Do you understand what I'm saying? That there, 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 you, you, you don't feel that there is an opportunity to come up for breath and re, re, be replenished by some level of joy. If there is no rhythm to it at all, it may be that it's time to kill. If you feel like, uh, like uh, the... Uh, uh, the residents of Narnia, that it is always winter and never Christmas, it may be time to kill. Not the whole package, of course, um, but the dynamic that is the cancer. I think of another story from C.S. Lewis where he describes uh, uh, a lizard on a man's shoulder. Do you remember this from The Great Divorce? Um, and I don't remember, it's been a long time since I read that, uh, but, but what I do remember is that he had this little lizard that tortured him and sucked life out of him. And um, uh, when one came along, I believe it was an angel, I don't remember, but you'll have to read the book, who was willing to, to get the lizard off his shoulder and kill him, the man said, oh, but the lizard, I just wish that he would be silent. I, I want to keep the lizard. Do you remember this? Some of you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the, uh, uh, the whole package doesn't have to be killed, but maybe the dynamic that is a cancer, a time to kill, which is pretty brutal language, isn't it? A time to kill? Why, do I really have to kill the dragon, the lizard? Do I really have to kill this dynamic? I actually find, once in a while, I find some sick pleasure in it, kind of. Well, yeah. But if there's no rhythm to the dying, if it's all dying, then it's probably time to kill. Let me encourage you with this. It may be that if you're questioning, is it time for me to kill? Or is it, time for, or is it still time for me to he, uh, heal? Uh, maybe, maybe it would be helpful to you to set a tripwire. Um, uh, a, a, a spot on your calendar six months out where you would say, if this rhythm has not ceased in six months, then it is no rhythm at all, and I've just proven it to myself. In six months, a rhythm ought to work itself out, or whatever the time is, you decide, but you understand the concept. Put it on your calendar. If this is not changed, by this time, I'm going to get aggressive and do some killing, because there is a time to kill, and there is a time to heal. We often put our head down and work on resurrecting this corpse, right? And we forget to look up and accept the possibility of an ending. 
The scripture says that God has made all things beautiful in his time. It says that he has placed eternity in our hearts. There is something beyond the end of that season. There is a beauty on the other side of the end of that season. Don't be afraid to kill. There is a fearlessness at the edge of hopelessness. When you show up at the edge of hopelessness and you say, I have done everything I can do, everything I can think of, and now I am at the edge of hopelessness, and yet there's more life to live. I would just encourage you, embrace the fearlessness that is there, entrusting yourself to the God who makes all things beautiful in his time. So, uh, I think that was a pretty good sermon myself. <laughs> Thank you. And if by chance you've been bored, I would just say, uh, uh, it's time to wake up. <laughs> I don't take it personal, it's dark in here, but it is time to wake up and uh, lean in because I'm going to give you a piece of information Uh, A piece of information about us as a church. A piece of information that you are going to want to be a good steward of. Last September, a couple months ago, I stepped into Aaron Weiser's office and let him know that I am resigning as your uh, co-pastor, Church on the Rock. That... uh, there has been a, a, a rhythms in my own life and in my own home uh, that have brought me to this conclusion, and I want to share with you about that. I want to start by reading to you uh, the letter that I uh, made available to the elders and the board. With this letter, I am resigning as co-pastor of Church on the Rock Homer. I originally accepted this opportunity. Do you remember this? I originally accepted this opportunity in response to a moment in Church on the Rock history as one of our founding pastors resigned. I have been richly rewarded by that decision. It has become clear to me, however, that my own season of pastoral leadership at Church on the Rock is coming to a close. My wife and I have labored over this decision for an extended period of time. And now, uh, and now with great conviction and anticipation, are choosing to honor specific family priorities, priorities which make it necessary for me to resign from this role. I will, I will always be proud, pr- sorry. You try reading one of these. I will always be proud to have contributed to Church on the Rock as co-pastor. It has been one of the great privileges of my life, and we, my wife and I, cannot adequately express our appreciation and respect for Aaron Weiser 
and the leadership of Church on the Rock. Sincerely, Skip Bowersox. So I read this letter to the elders, um, I sent it to the board, and of course it was uh, met with characteristic grace uh, by that, that crowd. Um, and I think that that grace that they are, received it with is just a testimony to their confidence in the God who gave birth to Church on the Rock and has been moving Church on the Rock forward for the last 10 years. So I just want to make some things clear. This decision, I want to talk about this decision. This decision is not about me screwing up announcements. 260 weeks in a row. Uh, it, it probably should have been. Somebody should have clued in a long time ago and fired me. I've, I've, I've been amazed by that all along. Why haven't you fired me? But they haven't. It's not about that. There is no disqualifying moral failing. There's no criminal activity. I haven't stolen any money from the church. There are no unresolved issues with uh, Aaron Weiser between him and I, as we're, we're besties. Um, there is no unresolved issues in my marriage. Both relationships are healthy, and honestly, uh, both relationships are a source of joy to me. But here is what the decision is about. Um, and, 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 uh, and I think you'll understand this. Listen closely because I've, been, I've crafted this as well as I know how to. Ready? This is the decision. There is a particular set of responsibilities that are appropriate for and intrinsic to the organizational influence of a co-pastor at Church on the Rock Homer. I've come to realize that it is time for me to hand over those responsibilities in service of the unique needs and opportunities appropriate for and intrinsic to serving my family in this unique season of life. Uh, I resign from this specific role, co-pastor, as an example to you, uh, an act of integrity, and as an example in faithful decision-making. My conscience is clear. I do this with great conviction and anticipation, both for my own home and also for the future of Church on the Rock. And I've thought about you. I've thought about, uh, especially those of you that are first-time guests this morning, bless your hearts. <laughs> but for those of you that have uh, been with me for a, a long time here, uh, I've thought about you. You know, what do you, what, what, would, what would the church family need to hear from me next? After hearing the announcement of the resignation of my favorite pastor, <laughs> what do you, I don't know, he's left the room, I don't know where he is, but I'm trying to, <laughs> uh, what would you need to hear next? So let me just make a couple uh, statements. One is that um, um, my wife and I, we are not, moving out of Homer. Uh, this summer, you will see a sign in our yard. That was the plan all along. If, you, if, you've, if we've ever talked houses before, you know that's the rhythm. It's time to sell that house. We've got another lot. We're going to move in there next to Arwen and Sam so they can keep an eye on us. Um, but anyway, uh, we're not leaving Homer. Um, I am going to continue to be uh, on the teaching uh, rotation um, uh, right up through the end of summer, 
And then um, this other piece that I want to let you know, uh, we are going to actually step out of Homer for an extended period of time. There's some things back home in Michigan that we, we need to uh, get involved in. Uh, and so we're going to be there for a little bit. Uh, our plan is to be back one year from now, uh, January. And, and at that point in time, we'll just reevaluate our participation and how we're going to participate. Uh, but th those, are the, those are the things that I wanted to make clear to you. Um, Aaron has told me, and I think uh, just so that I can hold him to this, I'm going to make it very public right here. He's told me that in his own conversation with different board members and elders, that, the, uh, that their response over and over again has been that, that, that this is lame. <laughs> but that uh, at any point, if I, if I would like to step in, uh, um, in, in involvement, Church on the Rock, at any, at any level, that there's a, a wide open door. So, so I've thought about, you know, what uh, this role as pastor is a little bit strange. It's like, it's like no, it's, 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 it's unique in many ways. And I just thought about, like, like, even now, some of you, Jackie, you always call me Pastor Skip, which is sweet, you know. And it's, it's, a, it's a title that kind of travels even into friendships. And I would just say, if you're wondering, like, what do we call Skip now, now that he's not pastor? And I, I thought, uh, my brother-in-law, Josiah, uh, you, can, you can call me master. Um, the, the rest of you, um, I thought, you can, uh, you can call me just Skip, or you can call me, I thought, uh, you could call me Strider, and I will be in the shadows of the prancing pony awaiting the ring of power to return. I tried to add some humor to this thing, you know? Make it a little more palatable. Thank you. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. You can have a seat. <laughs> you know, Aaron and I, what time is it? I'm running long. Okay, thanks. Years ago at ABI, Aaron Weiser and I, we dreamed of what it would be like for the two of us to do ministry together. You know? I never could have imagined in those moments, those days, I never could have imagined how it actually would have taken shape. I mean, I had an idea actually of what it might look like, but it's so not that. It's so much better. It's so different. It's been great. Um, and I wanted to marry Aaron Fisher for years, right? I, in, when I was first started chasing her, I never could have imagined the story, the, the narrative that God was putting together to make that a reality. And are the girls in the room? One of them is. Plug her ears. I, I actually never, I never. And then I, then I had a couple, and they're awesome. I fall in love with them over and over and over again. Every day. It's beautiful. I had a thought. I had a plan. I had a trajectory, and I was working that plan. 
But God makes all things beautiful in his time and in his ways. When I was a kid and I played Legos, I never dreamed that I would have a trade that was like playing Legos, that I would actually get paid to lay tile. You know what I mean? I just never could have imagined that. And now, of course, I'm so thankful for a trade because I can f continue to feed my people now. Um, uh, and I would say to the newcomers, those of you that are first-time guests, we have a gift for you. And also, if you would hang out a while while you watch this transition happen, I'll tell you what you're going to see, because I've seen it myself. I've seen it multiple times. The God of the universe working through the people of Church on the Rock, they roll with this. this. This kind of thing is met with an abundance of grace for everyone involved. You're going to see the Church on the Rock continue to grow. It's already poised for that. There are great things on the horizon. There's uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, and you get to keep Aaron Weiser, for sure. And I'll be, and I'll be around right here. Uh, you, you, you'll hardly notice. It's going to be one of those deals. So I'd like to invite the worship team forward. Uh, now we're going to sing songs together. You know, there's lots of heartbreaking reasons why people step out of ministry. This is so... So not one of those situations. I'm stepping down as co-pastor at Church on the Rock uh, with my integrity in place, health in my most precious relationships, including my relationship with uh, Aaron Weiser and Church on the Rock staff and leadership. Um, and also, I'm stepping out of uh, pastoral influence with a personal strategy for continued disciple-making. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, the God of the universe has set things in motion so that even at the end of something, we have the opportunity, the possibility to reimagine a new future, a future we didn't see coming. That's true as an organization, and that's true as individuals. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And I've lived long enough to know, to see that, that rhythm of beauty. God wants to make everything beautiful for Skip Bowersocks. I know that. But I'm not the only one in the room. Take a look at your selfie. The Lord is moving and provided everything to make all things beautiful in its time, in each of our lives. Let's celebrate him in his graciousness, in his creativity, in his great power. Would you stand? Lord, we, uh, we're just so grateful that you're in our lives. We're just so grateful for uh, the gifts that you give us, some of them for a lifetime, some of them for moments, some of them for uh, just different um, uh, seasons of life. Uh, they're gifts. Thank you, Lord. May we be a people who are skillful in navigating those gifts. May we be a people who understand and embrace the time to change uh, and just receive all of that with expectation of your creative movement in our life. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we are.
two crime pastors. There's a couple things I want to share. <clears throat> one is, well, actually, as I share these, I'm going to invite Skip and Aaron if you guys want to come up, and I'm going to invite our elders and spouses and board members, anyone that's here, come up and join me just up here in front of the stage. We'll pray for them as we send them out. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Elders that serve well are worthy of double honor, which means that Skip is worthy of like times 10. So Scott, if you could put that up on the, on the screen, like honor times 10, just to make sure that we have that in our minds, that would be great. The other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, Skip and Aaron have been extremely open with us their decision-making process and Skip is exactly right there's no there's no there there um, there's actually no secrets about their decision-making process but I would say that there is privacy um, and that Skip and Aaron are entitled to their privacy and all of the factors weighing into their decision um, but uh, we're with them uh, 100% <coughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that there's, a, there's an element of conventional thinking I think is often borrowed from business thinking and, and morphed into ministry thinking. And that is, well, if a guy in charge is stepping down, then he should move all the way out of the picture to make room for the next guy. I refuse to allow that here at Church on the Rock. Uh, we are a family and relationships continue, influence continues. And so... Uh, Skip already mentioned this, but uh, our staff actually on Tuesday or Wednesday told Skip, we're okay with this as long as you continue to do everything that you've already been doing. So as long as we don't perceive the change, you can call it what you want. Uh, no, it's our expectation that uh, Skip will continue, because of who he is, to be a person of influence in this community, and uh, we will see how God uh, shapes uh, his capacity and his role as he is a person, as they are a family of influence. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is that uh, we, the leadership here, we have no idea what's going to happen. There is no replacement for Skip Bowersox. I don't know if you know that. You probably observed that. Uh, we, uh, when, when Jonathan left five years ago, Skip was right there, and we said, hey, you'll be perfect. Uh, right now, we are seeking the Lord about our future. But I wanted to let you know that I have supreme confidence uh, in our leadership um, to hear from the Lord uh, for the future of this church. Uh, so would you guys uh, with me reach out your hands? Uh, if you guys want to gather around Skip and Aaron, this group that's up here, let's pray for them together. whatever it is that you have for them. We just pray that you would continue to uh, show them your path, open their eyes, guide them into the directions that uh, you have for them. And Lord, we are grateful and rejoice for the ministry that he's, he's shared here so far. And, and um, so as, 
as they leave, we, we pray a blessing on them. We pray that you would open doors and allow them to experience the fullness of your spirit moving in a mighty way. And uh, we, we uh, rejoice in the, the movement that we've recognized and seen. And so we are grateful that your hand has shown that we love Skip and Aaron. So we're grateful. Lord, uh, we just thank you for him. God, we come before you as your church. Uh, acknowledging again that the head of our church is Christ. That we look to you for leadership. We look to you for understanding. We look to you for our future. Right now, God, I'm uh, just filled with gratitude uh, for the gift that Skip and Aaron have been to our body over the last number of years. Um, I pray that we here uh, would honor his investment by doubling down on our commitment to dependency upon you. God, I pray a special uh, blessing on their family, that your peace that is beyond understanding would overshadow them. Um, I know that you have filled them with confidence and expectation about the future, and I pray that that would continue. Um, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for these leaders here, and I pray for wisdom for them as we move ahead. As you have been good to us, God, we expect that goodness will continue. Commit the Bowersox family to you. We commit our leadership to you. We commit our church to you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, guys. Well, on that note, God bless you. Uh, God keep you. If you want to sign up for a class, do that over here. House Church is launched tonight. Junior high and senior high launch tonight. Fresh starts on Tuesday. Have a wonderful Sunday. If you can, check in with the Bowersox family this morning and express your gratitude. God bless.